Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Ian McIntosh. I'm on the preaching team here, and uh, we are doing a series uh, on on who am I, right? That's that's a big question. And in the Bible, there are multiple metaphors that we see that talk about who I am as a follower of Christ. And uh, today we're going to look at one of those metaphors. But before we do, I want to ask you to, uh, to do a little uh, introspection with me. So I'm not going to ask for shows of hands or anything, but, but I would like for you to consider a few parts of your life and, um, and kind of gauge your, your joy, right? Your contentment. Like if there was a joyometer or a contentometer in, in you, just kind of look and see where the needle is at. So um, take, for instance, like your, your career, the, the part of your life that uh, takes up the majority of your time, you know, what, what you invest yourself in the most. How, how much satisfaction, how much contentment do you have in, in that part of your life? Or perhaps the, the meaningful relationships that you have with family and friends and coworkers. Uh, if you were to to think about those relationships, how much joy or satisfaction do you have in, in that part of your life? Or maybe even to get a little more personal, what about with yourself? Where, where's the needle there and the joy and the satisfaction, the contentment? So most of us, if, if we're honest, would say that we're probably not pegging the needle Right? We're probably not hitting 100% in, in all those areas, at least not all the time. And, and if you are, that's, that's awesome, uh, happy for you, and hopefully this morning uh, we'll see God show us some ways that we could have increased capacity so that there could even be room for more satisfaction and joy and contentment in those areas. But, but for most of us, we would say, yeah, you know, there's still more that, that I'd like to uh, that there's a, maybe a discontentment or a sense of lacking or unrest in, in at least one of those areas of life. So um, I, I'm convinced that if I, um, if I pursue God the way he wants me to, then, then all of those things will, will kind of fall into place more effectively in my life. And so, so I find that when I do a little self-evaluation, where am I in these areas uh, if I'm feeling lacking, then I need to kind of go back to the, to the basics and say, okay, Lord, how am I doing in, in pursuing you and uh, chasing after you as a follower of Christ? So we're going to take a, a bit of a look at that this morning. And the, the metaphor that we're going to use is the metaphor of an athlete. And uh, so right now, some of you might be saying, sweet, I'm, I'm athletic, you know, I'm a bike rider, I'm a runner, I'm a gymnast, whatever, I like this idea. And others of you might say, wow, you know, I, I do this kind of working out, um, sitting on the couch, working out my thumb muscle with the remote, so um, I don't really think this is going to be a good message. <laughs> well, I, I want to assure you, it, it's a metaphor, I'm not going to lead you in calisthenics or anything. Um, but I, I do think there's value to be found in this idea of following after Christ as an athlete. Uh, and and you, you may be, so maybe four different categories here of, of people that I might be addressing. You might be the one who, uh, who is pursuing Christ, um, just 
fully. And, and you, you know, in terms of like, if you're God's athlete, you're leading the pack and you're showing people what turns to take and, and you know, you're giving them the workout plans and, and you're helping people and you're pursuing God. And I would say, awesome, good job. Like I said, hopefully we can see some ways to have increased capacity for more of that. But maybe you're one that you've been running this race of life and, uh, and you're getting discouraged or weary or, or tired and wondering, you know, when's this race going to end? And so for you this morning, I hope that we can give you some encouragement and, and some tips on how to find that, that, um, that drive to persevere and thrive in the race. Or you might be the, the spiritual couch potato that's just like, you know what, I'm not really, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, watch the, I'll watch the game, but I don't really want to play the game. And so my encouragement this morning for you will be to hopefully get you off the couch, do one of those like couch to 5K kind of spiritual activities or something. Um, and, or you might be one that, that you're running the race of life, but maybe you're running in the wrong direction and you're not running towards God. Maybe you're running towards something else. And so this morning, maybe the Lord will speak to you through that and, and uh, encourage you to, to get pointed in the right direction. So um, hopefully you find yourself in one of those categories this morning and hopefully, Lord willing, uh, he'll address the need that you have in your heart as we look at this metaphor. So... Um, as an athlete, I, um, and, and I do consider myself an athlete, um, I, I love running. Anyone who knows me well knows that I enjoy running. In fact, I had to promise several people that I wouldn't come up here in my running clothes <laughs> and preach this message because, you know, I've got a friend that made it his personal mission to make sure that guys wear shorts over their running tights and I'm like, why? They get in the way. But anyway, um, so here I am in, in normal clothes, but I am a runner, and I have a, um, a couple of pictures of a, of a big race that I did recently that we'll be looking at this morning. So that's me uh, in, in the first ever ultra marathon that I did, ultra marathon meaning any distance beyond uh, 26.2. And so um, I did this October 24th. That's me relatively towards the beginning of, it, it was a 50-mile ultramarathon, so 5-0. Um, so if you look at me, I look pretty happy, pretty energetic, pretty lucid, right? Now, towards the end of the 50-miler, I looked a little different, uh, maybe not quite as lucid, but um, still happy, right? <laughs> Uh, I actually think I might have gone delirious for a little while after running for eight and a half hours. So um, that's, that's crazy Ian there on the, on the right. So, um, but, you know, nobody wakes up and says, hey, I want to go run 50 miles unless they've trained for it. And, and I began training for this event long before the event took place. And, um, and I knew that it was gonna, going to take an extreme amount of discipline and focus and um, self-control. You know, as, as the event drew nearer, I knew that I had to really pay attention to not only my training plan, but um, my nutrition, my rest, my, my cross-training. Um, all of that was something that would play into the success or failure of, of this event for me. And so being, a, being an athlete is something that takes a lot of devotion and commitment, right? I mean, because... It's 50 miles, and it was long and hard <laughs> and tiring, but it was worth it. So, th- so that's what I do, right? Now, you, you might not be an athlete. You might be maybe the type that likes to, uh, um, uh, to garden, uh, and, and 
So people say, wow, Ian, why would you want to run 50 miles? And I would say, why would you want to go garden and get dirt under your fingernails? And I mean, you can go buy a cucumber for 60 cents down at Winco, you know? I mean, so everybody's got their thing, right? Some of you make your own clothing rather than buy it. And I don't understand that either. But we, we all have those things that we like to do. And, and it's important to know we do them because they're an extension of who we are, right? I, I run because I'm a runner. I, I don't go run because I want to become a runner. I run because it's how God's wired me. I, I find much joy in it. And so those of you that find joy in gardening or dancing or creating music or art, you do that as an expression of, of the way God's made you to be. And... Um, uh, so he's made each of us unique in that way. And, you know, so the metaphor we're looking at this morning is uh, being a runner. So um, I've, I've learned a lot in running, and, uh, and I've had to really make sure that I don't get too lopsided in, in my commitment to running. Uh, this morning, Scott called it an addiction. Not for me, but he, you know, people have running addictions, and that's true. Um, first, First Timothy 4.8 says, uh, while bodily discipline is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise to the present life and also for the life to come. So that is something that I've had to keep in the front of my mind because, sure, bodily discipline is of some value, but spiritual discipline is value in this present life and in the life to come. So as I'm investing you know, 20 hours a week or more training for a silly event like this, I, I always make sure to, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and, and fellowshipping with other believers and praying and whatever else uh, because I don't want it to just be a physical activity. And as I've done that, I've learned a lot about myself and about chasing after God. So th- uh, this morning, we're going to look at that metaphor of being an athlete. So there's a, a concept, and you've got it there on the top of your bulletin, uh, insert. If you, uh, if you haven't taken that out yet, go ahead and take that out there. Um, as a member of Team Jesus, I obediently exercise focused self-control in my pursuit of an eternally worthwhile goal, which is glorifying God by enjoying him forever. So that's, that's the big point this morning, is that, uh, that as a member of Team Jesus... I want to be obediently exercising focused self-control in my pursuit of an eternally worthwhile goal to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So let's take a look at a few of those key concepts there. First of all, I'm a member of Team Jesus. Now, running is an individual sport, right? I mean, if you're on a track team, then you run by yourself, but you contribute points to your overall team score. Uh, but generally, it's, a, it's an individual sport. There are lots of individual sports, lots of team sports, but um, Christianity is not an individual sport. We, we're part of Team Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, you're on that team, and, uh, and I believe that, um, that we need that team to be successful in our pursuit of him. So the first passage I want us to look at is Hebrews chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can find one in the, uh, in the pew back in front of you. Uh, if you don't have one to call your own, please take it home with you. We'd love to consider that a gift from us to you. And, uh, and we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. And first, uh, let's see, verses 24 through 25. 
So Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25. And here we see that, uh, that we should be inspired in our pursuit on team Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, that whole idea of encouraging one another Let us consider how we can stir one another up for love and good deeds. You know, there's a guy who inspired me to run an ultra marathon. His name is Steve. I've got a picture of him here um, when he did his first ultra marathon. Uh, He did a 100 miler. I mean, he did a 50 and a 100. I think this is him in his his 100 miler. He did it in just under 24 hours. It was ridiculous. And um, uh, I actually ran my first marathon with Steve. Uh, many years ago, and then he went on to start doing ultra marathoning, and and we we still hang out and talk and run together and bike together, and and uh, and I thought, you know, if Steve can do it, I can do it. That sounds kind of fun, right? So he inspired me, and um, and and I I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that that we uh, should be inspired by other people in our pursuit of Christ, and and we should be inspiring other people in our pursuit of Christ. So that's part of being on a team. Uh, The the next passage I want us to look at is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. And and here we see that being on the team helps us in in persevering, uh, helps us in perseverance. He says, exhort one another every day, as long as as it is called today, uh, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So to exhort or encourage as long as it's called today. Um, there were so many people uh, who encouraged me and exhorted me as I was uh, not only training for this event, but, um, uh, but completing the event itself. I've got a handful of pictures of them. I'll just talk you through some of them. It's like, you know, slideshow family photo time. I apologize for that. But this guy, he's such a cool guy. Um, we, we ran the race together probably at least half of it. Um, and then one of us slowed down. I honestly forget which one, but he's, he was such a great guy, and, and being, there was this lady um, that was dressed up like Batwoman, and she tried to stay with us because we, as we were uh, fellowshipping with each other and just encouraging each other and sharing life and getting to know one another, um, she, she was blessed just to be among that little, you know, conversation that was taking place. And, uh, and I just, I, every, whenever I see this picture, I just remember the conversations that he and I had. And, uh, and it was a, a good part of, of the event for me. It was that encouragement. And there's, there's another picture of, uh, of me with another guy that I hung out with a lot. Uh, he did the 30K, or the 50K, which is 30 some odd miles. So he finished before I did, and he wanted me to take his, his victory picture there. So there I am with his phone taking his pictures. He's coming down the stretch. And then the next picture, I honestly don't know where this, this one came from, but um, I was just giving him a goodbye hug. He's a, uh, like a cable repair guy that lives down in Lake Oswego. And, um, and just the opportunity I had to, to pray with him and to, um, to, to hear his life story and encourage him, um, it, it was amazing. It, it was part of the journey, and, and I really enjoyed that. A couple more pictures here. 
this is my friend Murray in the front. Uh, he's, he was my health coach that helped me get to my goal weight when I n- knew I needed to lose more weight to complete the run successfully. He actually drove all the way down to run the last 12 miles with me uh, and, and uh, encouraged me across the finish line. And, uh, and it's a good, good friend of mine and trained with me all throughout the uh, the process. Okay, I think there are one or two more. My, my Hood to Coast team, um, they've all been in great encouragement. We run together a lot and, and encourage each other. So uh, the idea there is that, that we, as, um, we as team members need each other, right? I, I honestly would not have been able to, to do this event without the encouragement of other people. And so when, when you consider your, your, that joyometer, the contentment factor in, in life as you're pursuing Jesus, if you find it's a bit lacking, then, then maybe it's because you're not availing yourself of the team that God has put you on. Because we need that, that encouragement from each other in order to persevere in this race that God has us to run. Okay, um, next passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And there we see that being on uh, a team will help us to finish the race well. We see the example that Jesus gave, that, that he, as the author and perfecter of our faith, there is the completion aspect of it, that, that he endured the cross, he ran the race because of the joy that was set before him. And, and there's, there's encouragement there to finish the race strong. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, uh, and again, I apologize for all the pictures, but I haven't got to really show them to anyone yet. So I have a few pictures of, um, <laughs> I have a few more pictures of me finishing the race, I think. Um, uh, and, uh, and yeah, this is me coming down the home stretch. Now that says seven hours, 35 minutes. That's, that's a big fat lie. I started an hour early because I wanted to get done earlier. So it's actually eight and a half hours. But upright, they didn't have to drag me across. So there, there's me finishing, you know, the race that was set before me. Okay, next slide is uh, me with my buddy Murray and, uh, and a sandwich in my hand there. The nutrition that, oh, sorry, this rabbit trail, but they have good food on these races. Okay, ne- next slide. Um, uh, okay, so um, the idea that they will... Uh, being on a team will help me to finish the race well. The, the big point here is that I cannot thrive in isolation. None of us can thrive in isolation. That's why Christianity is a team sport. There are no bench warmers. Think of the analogy of a fire. And if you, if you reach in with the tongs and you remove a burning ember from that fire and then you set it over on the hearth, it won't take long before it dies out and just becomes, a, you know, a cold lump of coal or whatever. But if you, if you keep those embers close together, then they burn brighter and they keep each other burning hot. And we as team members need to be um, grouped together, running this race together, and we will encourage each other to thrive. 
if the only time you are part of God's community is on a Sunday morning or um, something like that, then, then uh, you will find it difficult to thrive because we need to be on this team uh, encouraging each other, inspiring each other, helping each other to persevere, and, uh, and encouraging each other to finish the race strong. So, uh, so that's that first point, is that uh, as a member of Team Jesus, I obediently exercise focused self-control in my pursuit of an eternally worthwhile goal. So, uh, the second point there is obedience. <clears throat> and there we're going to look at 2 Timothy 2.5. And he says, similarly... Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And so in that passage, we see that, uh, that there are rules that we must compete according to. And, you know, it was true in this event. I, um, you know, I could not have someone run with me and carry my gear. Uh, I couldn't be on the course more than a certain amount of time or I would be considered a non-finisher. I had to make sure to cross the checkpoints at either end of the, um, of, of the 10K loop that we did a whole bunch of times. So there are rules according to, you know, if I want to finish well. And, uh, and you know, we have rules in life, right? Anyone who has ever tried to play a board game without rules You'll, you'll know that it just doesn't work. I sat down with my, my boys last night, and we, we played a cool board game, no, card game, and it was the first time I'd ever played the game, and I needed to know, what are the rules? How does this work? Somebody explain it to me, because so, I want to know how to win. And, <laughs> and I didn't. I came close. I came close, but I didn't. But, um, but rules are a necessary ingredient to functioning in healthy community. And uh, for some of us, we've had authority over us that maybe has been um, not godly authority, and so that concept of having rules has been a bit tarnished. But uh, I want to give you a good example of that, and that would be uh, my, not a good example of that, a good example of healthy uh, rules in living life wisely. Uh, my oldest son, Gavin, he works at Fred Meyer, and he, uh, he's been sick recently. So he, he was so sick that he called in sick. And, and he was blessed to find out that he actually had some sick time. And so he could keep getting paid even though he didn't go to work. And, and he was able to rest a little better because of that. Now, had he squandered those sick hours when he maybe didn't feel good, maybe because he wanted to play some Xbox or what. And, but see, he didn't do that, right? And so, so by living according to God's pattern, by, by living life wisely, uh, he was able to reap the reward that comes with that. And see, God is not some kind of cosmic killjoy that just wants to make sure that we don't have fun. That's not what the rules are about. The rules are about allowing us to be able to achieve optimal satisfaction in life live according to the way he wants us to live, and, and we will be blessed. And so um, that doesn't mean that I need to make sure that, that on my own I'm always doing everything perfectly and doing exactly, you know, it's not about that. It's about recognizing who I am in Christ and allowing obedience to flow out of that. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So as I love him, obedience will flow from that. 
because he gives me the ability to obey his commandments. So uh, the, the point there is that um, as, as the creator of life itself, God knows the way that life is designed to function, and when I live according to his pattern, I find that I thrive. So then, a question for you. Are there any areas in your life that show a disconnect between who you are and what you do? If so, then consider what God might be asking you to to adjust in your life. All right, third point here, as we consider what it means to be a member of Team Jesus and obediently exercise focused self-control in our pursuit of an eternally worthwhile goal. Focused self-control. And here we see 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners win, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself would be disqualified. So there is a, a focused goal that we should be working towards, right? And, and there are many distractions that would come and vie for our attention. And this world is full of many wonderful things that God wants us to enjoy. But if we begin to enjoy those as, as a form of idolatry rather than a form of worship, then, uh, then we're losing our focus. And so there's that self-discipline, there's that self-control, that needs to, to be there. And so the, the point that I have on your notes there is every uh, valuing Jesus supremely allows me to value everything else appropriately. Just let that soak in for a moment. Valuing Jesus supremely allows me to value everything else appropriately. Because uh, like the, the next point there on your notes, uh, we're all created by God as worshipers. It's what we do. It's we're wired that way. We will worship something or someone. He's made us to be worshipers. And on this earth, every good thing is a potential temptation. In eternity, every good thing will be a form of worship that we can direct towards the one who made it. So I need to value Jesus supremely so that I can value everything else appropriately. I love Butterfinger candy bars. I do. I do. One of my best birthday gifts a few weeks ago was a big old three-pack of king-size Butterfinger bars. (laughs) They're just good. Now, if I value those more supremely than Jesus, I can guarantee you I will not be able to run 50 miles. <laughs> it just wouldn't work. But if I take a bite of a Butterfinger bar and I say, wow, thank you, Jesus, for taste buds. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the people that love me and know me and know that I love Butterfinger candy bars. It can actually be a form of worship, can't it? Or, or, or maybe, um, uh, maybe you value having a, a, a well-functioning, nice car, maybe a, a newer model car. Nothing wrong with that. But if you value that above Jesus, then be careful because you might end up worshiping it. But when you, when you walk out to the garage and you see that car and you get in that car and you turn the key or probably push the button or whatever, um, and it works and you enjoy it and you feel a sense of, of contentment because of that, you can direct that to the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, for enabling me to have this car. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Thank you for the way that you care about me. See, it can be a form of worship. So if, if I keep my focused self-control pointed towards him and don't allow the things he's given me to enjoy to become the focus of my worship, but rather I focus my worship on him and these things can become a, a, a means of worship rather than the object of worship, then all of a sudden life seems to make a lot more sense. But that, that takes focus and it takes self-control. And uh, um, Paul talks about that there. So, question for you, what good gifts might you be tempted to worship rather than use as a form of worship? For, for me, I'll, I'll just be, I'll, I'll be vulnerable for a moment. Uh, for me, it's, it's this body. And, and I'm not saying, wow, look at how great I look. That, but, but like, I love running, right? And, um, and I need to be careful not to worship um, athleticism or physicality or, you know, um, running or whatever. But I need to always make sure that I'm allowing that to be a form of worship. And so I, uh, I, I've got people that, ironically, that I run with who hold me accountable to that. And, and they'll always ask me, hey, you know, why are you running today? Or, you know, hey, what, how are you worshiping the Lord today? And, and that kind of thing. So that, uh, so that I can make sure to never worship um, anything but him. So consider, what is, what, what is the good gift God's given you that you're tempted to worship? Is it a relationship? Is it, um, is it an object? Is it a behavior? Uh, Satan loves to corrupt good things. And, and there are good things in our life that, that can be used as a form of worship but Satan would rather us let it be an object of worship. So, so ask God to show you, am I worshiping this person? Am I worshiping this behavior? And maybe I should define worship. When I say worship, I don't mean that you sing songs to it, right? Like, bless the car, oh my car, you holy car. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> but but uh, worship is anything that we ascribe worth to. And that's why I said uh, valuing Jesus supremely, right? If I value it, I worship it. So um, valuing Jesus supremely allows me to value everything else appropriately. So, okay. And uh, finally, number four, uh, it is an eternally worthwhile goal. So as a member of Team Jesus, I obediently exercise focused self-control in my pursuit of an eternally worthwhile goal which is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
So Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 14. But whatever things were gain to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of someone whose life devotion is the pursuit of Jesus. We are designed to find our ultimate satisfaction in God. And as I enjoy him, I bring him glory. And that is an eternally worthwhile goal. And so in, 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 uh, in the beginning, I asked you to consider your career and your relationships and your satisfaction with yourself. And if, you, if in those areas you're finding that, that you're lacking uh, contentment or satisfaction or joy, then, then consider, am I pursuing Jesus as the supremely valuable object of my worship? At, at the end of your notes, there's the statement, the more I delight in him, the more delightful life is. Knowing my identity enables me to move forward with confident intentionality as an extension of who I am. So knowing your identity, not that you have to become that, but knowing that he has already made you that. What is that? Well, we sang about it earlier, a child of God. If you have entered into a relationship with Christ, then you are a child of God. And as a child of God, I can move forward in my passionate pursuit of him, knowing that he wants to be found by me. So then what's the next step, right? Uh, to go back to the, the athletic analogy, maybe, uh, maybe you would say, hey, I want to do a couch to 5K, you know, spiritually, Okay, so then um, if somebody came to me and said, hey, I want to do a, a real couch to 5K, how do I do that? I would say, well, find, find a buddy to train with and find a race to commit to and find a training plan. And there you go. And so spiritually, maybe your next step is to say, hey, you know, I don't want to be a spiritual ultramarathoner yet, but I would just love to, to get off the spiritual couch. Okay, find a buddy, find a training plan, the Bible is a good place to start, and, and, uh, and set a goal. What does that look like? Do you want to get involved in a ministry somewhere? Do you want to um, overcome certain uh, areas in your life that need to be grown through? Whatever that looks like. 
The, the point is to, to set a goal. You know, may, maybe you need to grow in your involvement in, on, on the team and become one of those encouragers or a recipient of encouragement. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you that you are the one who can truly satisfy. And Lord, if there is anyone here um, in this room that is not um, actively pursuing you, then God, I pray that you would, you would stir them up, that you would point them towards you, and that you would allow them to see uh, the supreme value of chasing after you. Lord, for all of us, I pray that you would make it clear to us what that step is that you want us to take, how it is that you want us to continue growing, uh, continue pursuing, chasing after you in this race that we're running. In Jesus' name, amen.